Good day, everyone. Welcome to Learning Bible Truth. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamla D., here to take you on a tour of the Bible. Yes, we read entire books here, not just one scripture of the Bible, full chapters. And of course, I share commentary with you while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every word. Hey, since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's grow in faith, walk in God's grace by learning Bible truth. Hi, saints. Bless God for another day and another opportunity to share with you his living word. Today, you will be listening to part two of Is Everything Ordained of God? This three-part series is being taught by my brother in Christ, Pastor Frederick K. Price Jr. So sit back, relax, and don't forget to take notes. Is everything ordained of God? That's what we've been discussing. I'm going to pick up from where we left off last week. And uh, we began in Psalm 81, and you don't have to go there. I mean, Psalm 8, verses 1 through 3. And we found out... Uh, in verse 2 and in verse 3 of that 8th Psalm that uh, God has ordained strength. And we also found out that God has ordained the moon and the stars. And so based on that, we have an understanding of what ordination is in regards to God. And ordination is when something is established or ordered by appointment, decree, or law. It is when something is established or ordered by appointment, decree, or law. Another word we could use is appointed. When something has been ordained, it has been appointed or it has been established. So God has established strength. He has appointed strength. He has established the moon and the stars. He has appointed the moon and the stars. When it's been ordained, it's established. It's, it's, it's immovable. It, it can only be taken away by he who established it. Nothing else, no one else can take it away, can remove that ordination, that appointment, that establishment. We then went to Ephesians 1, and when we got to the fifth verse in Ephesians 1, we saw that God has predestined them to Jesus Christ. Predestined them to Jesus Christ, or what? He has appointed them to Christ, or ordained them in Christ. Now some would take that scripture and attempt to establish a case that God has already, before the foundations of the earth were laid, in time or in eternity past, that he has already predetermined, preordained, he has already 
pre-established who will be his sons and who will not. In other words, what that would say is that God has established who will spend eternity in New Jerusalem on a new earth and who will spend eternity in the lake of fire. That doesn't seem just because God is just, God is merciful, God is gracious. So that doesn't seem just. So I believe that there is a discrepancy in believing that that's what that verse means. So we went over to Romans 8. Now let's go there. Romans 8. And look at the 29th verse. When you have it, say, I have it. Romans 8, 29. We're talking about, is everything that I see, that I've experienced, that I've heard about, everything that's going on in the world, everything that's going on in my life, did God ordain it all? Did God appoint it all? Did God establish it all? We want to find out if it's yea or nay. Romans 8, 29. Are you there? Watch this now. It says, for whom, for whom he foreknew. For whom he foreknew. I want to stop there and define foreknew or foreknow or foreknowledge. And that is defined as this, to have previous knowledge of. In other words, you have knowledge of this thing or a particular something before it happens. To have previous knowledge of, to know beforehand. To have previous knowledge of or to know beforehand. In regards to God, it's because he's God that he what? has previous knowledge of, that he knows beforehand. But in regards to you, you might know beforehand or you might have previous knowledge of by revelation. But that is what foreknowledge is. To foreknow something is to know in advance what's going to happen. You have all the information now before it ever happens, before it ever occurs. Notice the difference between that which is foreknown and that which is ordained. Notice that by definition, that which is foreknown may not be something that's been established. It may not be something that's been appointed. It's simply what? Foreknown. So look here in the 29th verse. It says, for whom he foreknew, he also what? For whom he foreknew, he also what? Foreknew, he also predestined. Foreknew, also predestined. Foreknew, also predestined. Foreknew, also ordained. Foreknew, also appointed. Foreknew, also established. If these are synonymous terms, there's no need to make mention of them both in the same breath. So what is this scripture saying? See, God knows who will receive Jesus and who will reject Jesus before whoever receives and rejects. Why? Because he has foreknowledge. But now watch this. He has ordained for all to know his son. Now all don't and won't know his son. But he has established it. So what does this verse say now? It says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined. 
not predestined who would be in Jesus, but watch this. He also predestined that those who would be in Jesus would be what? Conformed to the image of his son. He is what? He has predestined or predetermined what you'll look like in Christ. What does it say? That he might be the firstborn among many, what? Brethren. Because once again, in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus is my what? All right, y'all, come on now. No, 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 no. In the church, he's the great shepherd, which means he's my what? Come on, say it loud. You know it. He's my pastor. Didn't we talk about this last week? Wasn't that just six days ago, seven days ago? Okay. He is the great shepherd. That's why the great shepherd went to Peter and said, hey, do you love me? How many times did he ask him? Three times. What did he say? He said, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, tend to my sheep. He also said in John 10, he said, there's one shepherd, one flock, my sheep know my voice. That's talking about the relationship between the pastor and the sheep. But in the kingdom of God, Jesus is my elder brother. That's why it says what? He's the firstborn among many brethren. So watch this now. God has what? Yes, ordained strength, ordained the sun, the moon, and the stars, ordained the planets, ordained the galaxies, ordained gravity, ordained a number of things. He's established these things. But watch this now. He is not predestined who will be sons. He is predestined that those who will be sons will be conformed to the image of his son. Got it? All right. So foreknowledge is not ordination. What does that tell me? Everything is foreknown. Everything is foreknown by God. Nothing caught him off guard. Nothing surprised him. But everything that is foreknown is not necessarily ordained. Old Testament prophets would look into the mind of God about a future event. And those things that they would look into the mind of God about a future event were, were based in two categories. That which was simply foreknown by God and that which God intended to happen. That which God intended to happen or what? That which God simply knew would happen. You with me? Now, knowing what ordination is or what some, something being ordained is and knowing what foreknowledge is, we now need to know what's God and what's not. We spent some time on this last week. What's God and what's not? I want to be able to identify that which is God and that which is not. Because watch this. Sometimes people have a tendency to think that because God allowed something to happen that it was his will. So you got to understand. See, sometimes people get upset with word of faith ministers because we may make certain statements like God can't. People don't like it when you say what God can't do, because who are you to say what God can't do? God can do all things. Well, watch this. We know that. I know that. From the standpoint of the ability of God, there's not one single thing he can't do. There's nothing that he can't do. Why? Because he's able. He has what? Omnipotence, or he's omnipotent, meaning what? That he has all power. So there isn't anything that he isn't able to do 
As a matter of fact, Apostle Price was ministering at uh, a conference two weeks ago, and he made this statement simply from the standpoint of the ability of God. Nothing else, just God's ability. He made this statement. God could save you without Jesus. Watch this. If you want to focus on what he's able to do, because if you say he can't, then he can't do everything. So watch this. It's not, it's not a hidden thing. It's not foreign news to me that God has the ability to do all things. But what God places above his ability is his word. And so once his word has been placed over his ability, he's bound by his word. And so even though he might be able to do something, his word won't allow it. Could God override your will? See, I heard yeses and noes. Yays and nays. And see, you're both right. From the standpoint of God's ability, absolutely. But from the standpoint of his word, he won't, therefore he can't. See, so because of his word, God can't lie. Because of his word, God omniscience, meaning what? That he has all knowledge, he has all information, yet because of his word, he can't remember your sins. And here you go, allowing the devil, allowing the adversary to continuously bring up your past and bring up all your mistakes. And God, who has a better memory than you, has chosen to forget. So watch this. God allows it all. What doesn't he allow? But you want to sift through what he allows and find out what he intended to happen. You guys with me still? Now watch this. Romans 8.28 says, and we know what? That all things work together for good to those who love God. Watch this. And we know that all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. All things work together. What are you saying, God? Because all things sounds like all things. Well, I read you some translations and there were three that I really liked. Um, Romans 8.28 from the New American Standard Bible reads like this. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Hallelujah. Let's first establish what the verse didn't say. The verse did not say that we know that God causes all things. That's right. Rightly divide the scriptures. The verse didn't say that we know that God causes all things. Right. The verse said we know that God causes all things to work together for our good. Amen. Big difference, ladies and gentlemen. Big difference between God causing all things and God causing all things to work together for our good. Good example, my mother had cancer. God didn't cause the cancer. The Bible says that Jesus went about healing the sick and those who were oppressed of the devil. So it, to me, it sounds like that sickness would be satanic oppression. Yeah. Right? God's not working with Satan. Okay, so the cancer, there was an open door, and you've heard her testimony, if you've read her book, she, she was very frank and honest. She said on the spiritual side, she had all the I's dotted, all the T's crossed, but there were some things in the natural where doors were open. Bible says what? Nor give place to the devil. That means knowingly or unknowingly. The devil doesn't care that you didn't know. Right? So what? He, he walked right through that door. Mom got cancer. Did God cause the cancer? Absolutely not. Because if God causes cancer, he should have covenant names that are attached to disease. 
So you can't be Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, your healer, and Jehovah something else, the Lord who causes these things to come upon you. It's got to be one or the other. So he has no covenant names, just like he has no covenant names attached to poverty. His covenant names are attached to provision. Did God cause the cancer? Absolutely not. But once the cancer got in as a result of a door being opened, now God's going to cause this thing to work for her good. How's God going to cause it to work for her good? First things first, she's going to petition God. Pray that prayer of faith. Believe she received it when she prayed it. From, th from that point on, make her confession. Water that thing with the word of God. I believe I'm healed. That's everything on the spiritual side. Continue to doing the things that she was doing before she knew she had the cancer. Right? Then do everything in the natural that the doctor says that's going to help. Then after she's done all that, she has legal biblical authority to what? Stand because she's done all. So you cannot stand until you see some of us. What we've done is having done some, we attempt to stand. You guys with me? Didn't cause the cancer, but cause the situation to work. To, how did he cause it? Through prayer, through praise, through worship, through doctors, through medicine. All these things worked together for her good. Got it? Watch this now from the New Century Version. I love this. Listen to what it says. We know that in everything God works for the good of those who love him. Amen. Amen. That in everything God is working. Contemporary English Version. I really liked this one. What does it say? We know that God is always at work. God is always at work. God is always at work for the good of his people. Well, now I understand what all things working together means. God is at work for me. God is at work for you. In that thing, you feel isolated. You feel separated. You think he's not there. But watch this. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. We've already established that it's impossible for him to lie. So if it's impossible for him to lie, and he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, that means he's with you, whether you feel him or not. I love this. Let me go back to the New Century version. We know that in everything God works for the good of those who love him, they are the people he called because that was his plan. Contemporary English version. We know that God is always at work for the good of everyone who loves him. They are the ones he has chosen for his purpose. Now watch this now. We followed that up with what? Well, we went over to Ephesians 5.20. Because see, what are we trying to do? We're trying to establish that which is ordained and that which is simply known by him. Just because it's known doesn't mean he ordained it. God knows every single person that's going to have an open door for the devil to walk in. He didn't ordain it. But he wasn't caught off guard. Oh, I didn't know they were going to lie. No, he wasn't caught off guard. So Ephesians 5.20 said something. On the surface, if we took the scripture out of its context and, 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 and accepted it at face value... It could almost be a little disturbing for us believers because it says, it says, thank, it says, uh, giving thanks to God for everything or giving thanks for everything to God, giving thanks for everything, giving thanks for everything, giving thanks for everything, giving that thanks for everything to God. I'm supposed to thank God for everything. I'm supposed to thank God for everything. Watch this. 
We backed up a few verses, looked at the 17th verse, and understood that here's what Paul said, or here's what he established before he made mention that we're to thank God for everything. He said we first must understand the will of the Lord. And watch this, when I understand the will of the Lord, I know what to give him thanks for. Watch this, give thanks to God for everything according to his will. Why? Because if it's not according to his will, and it's just a general statement that I'm supposed to give thanks to God for everything, then the Bible's going to contradict itself when I go over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and it tells me in everything give thanks. And if you didn't know this, you're going to know now. There's a difference between giving thanks for everything and giving thanks in everything. Teach it. Just because I'm giving thanks in something I'm going through doesn't mean I'm giving thanks for what I'm going through. See, when you're in something, God is still God. So Paul admonishes us, don't let your situation negative deter you from continuing to give your praise, worship, and thanksgiving to God. He's still God. He was God before you got into the situation. He's God while you're in the situation. And when you get out, if you're like me and you're a person of authority, covenant, righteousness, power, and faith, I know I'm getting out of this thing. So when I get out of this thing, he's still going to be God. Now, we wanted to look through the scriptures and find a few things that were or are ordained of God. Not just known or foreknown, but things that are ordained of God. And the first thing we looked at were the gifts of Christ. The gifts of Christ according to Ephesians 4.11, which says what? He's given some to be what? Apostles, right? Prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Those gifts are ordained let's prove it with scripture jeremiah find the fifth verse when you have it say i have it well, that's the first time i heard y'all nobody said i i have it usually you have it before i finish the verse before i before i even finish telling you where to go y'all are already there jeremiah 1 5 when you have it say i have it Jeremiah, prophet Jeremiah, Old Testament, comes right after Isaiah, right? Chapter number one, within that first chapter, the verse that comes after the fourth before the sixth, number five. We're together? Watch this now. Jeremiah 1, 5, before. Before. I mean, that's the first word of the fifth verse, right? Because what doesn't God know? Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Ooh, I knew you. Not, not after you were born, I got to know you. But before you were in the womb, I, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I, I set you apart. I ordained, I ordained, I ordained you a what? A prophet to the nations. I ordained you, I established you, I appointed you a prophet. When you're, when you're called to the ministry, when Jesus calls you, God ordains you. Now it's just of necessity that man catches up with God and does what? Or ordains you in a, 
in a sanctuary. All, 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 it's simply saying that God is in agreement with man when you become when you become licensed, when you become ordained. But watch this. No licensing, no ordination. You still have work to do. You, you, God has still called you. It's just going to require some men to hear from God to to settle what God's already settled. You got it? But look, prophet, office of prophet, God, what he did what he ordained you one. Okay? Let's look in the gospel now. I believe Mark chapter 3. Right? 14th verse. You guys still with me? You positive? What did he say? He said, before I... I knew, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, I sanctified you, I what? I ordained you a prophet. Now he's saying, here in the gospel, Mark 3, 14. Watch this now. Right, the latter part of verse 13 says, and they came to him, verse 14, then he what? Anyone have a new king, I mean a traditional? Ordained, right? This is ordained. And a, and and. Appointing something is ordaining something. So what does it say? He appointed or he ordained 12. Who did it? Jesus. Jesus. See, if Jesus ordains you, if Jesus appoints you, I can't unappoint you. <laughs> then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to do what? To preach and to do some other things in his name. But he appointed them. He ordained them. He ordained them preachers. Ordained them evangelists, apostles, prophets, pastors. So what? The gifts of Christ are ordained of God. Now watch this. You ready for this one? Watch this. The words of the gifts are ordained. Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The words that come out of the mouths of the gifts are ordained. Hallelujah. Look at Acts 16.4. Acts chapter 16. Acts 16, 4, when you have it, say, I have it. Anyone with a traditional near me? Excellent. Okay. Watch this now. Acts 16, 4 says, And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. What does the traditional say? Which were ordained. Ordained by who? The apostles and the elders. So, and as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were ordained by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. Every gift of Christ should already be in advance in line with Christ. So every word that I speak to you should not be me. It should be him. That's right. Therefore, my words are ordained. We're together. Speak scripture. Watch this now. Still on the gifts of Christ. Watch this. The sustenance of the gifts. The sustaining of the gifts of Christ has been ordained by God. Go to first Corinthians what I tell you first? I said the gifts of Christ ordained. The words of the gifts ordained. Now what? The sustenance of the gifts ordained. Did I tell you 1 Corinthians? Yeah. 
Did I tell you the ninth chapter? All right. First Corinthians nine, you there? Watch this now. Fourteenth verse reads like this. Even so, the Lord has commanded. What does the traditional say? Ordained. Even so, the Lord has commanded or ordained that those who preach the gospel should what? Live from the gospel. It's been ordained. Let's not argue about it. God ordained it. That's right. That's right. Those who have given their life for the gospel. The gospel is, is you have to understand, some of you, you practice law. Some of you practice medicine. You, you practice something that's your, that's your occupation. See, as believers, as all of us that are believers, we're to, we're to do what? We're to study to show ourselves approved. Right? That's, that's a commandment to believers. But as a pastor, it's my job to study beyond the study. That's right. See, I have to go, I have to go past what we've all been called to do because this is my occupation. This is what I do for a living. Whereas what you do, I'm not required to study medicine or law, accounting or anything like that. That's your field. My field is this, so this is what I live off of. And so God ordained to what? Even so the Lord has commanded or ordained that those who preach the gospel should what? It's been ordained. All right. So I want to stop here just for a second. It is okay to give the pastor money. It is okay to give the teacher money for what they do because they are operating in the gifts that God gave them. And now right here, I'm not trying to be controversial. But you should never give money or sow a seed to a false teacher. If they are not teaching from these scriptures, you shouldn't give them anything. Now let's continue. Four more. Watch this. God has ordained the chosen. God has ordained the chosen. You want to see this in scripture? Look at John 15. John 15, 16. Are you there? Watch this. Jesus is speaking. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I what? Appointed. What does the traditional say? Ordained. And I appointed or ordained you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. Don't just bear it, but what? The fruit should remain and, by the way, whatever you ask my daddy in my name, whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give you. He said, you to choose me. I, I chose you. And I ordained you. Any chosen in here? Hallelujah. If you don't know if you're chosen, ask yourself the question, do you go to the father in the name of the son? So he has ordained the chosen. He has also ordained and appointed Jesus as the judge because there was a time when he was the judge. But he has now what? He has now handed that responsibility of judge over to the son. Hallelujah. See, we know that God has judged. We, we see it in the Old Testament. Right. I mean, on, on at least two occasions, he found. Well, on one occasion, he found the earth guilty. Other than eight, Noah, his sons and their wives, other than the eight, he found the world guilty of unrighteousness. 
as creator, he had a right to judge. A holy God has a right to judge that which is not holy. Amen. Notice the righteous were spared. Why? Because God is very clear about making a difference between his people and the rest of them. That's right. So I, I hate to say it like that, but that's just the reality. There's us and them. Amen. So now watch this. Look at Acts 10. Look at the 40th verse. Acts chapter 10, verse 40. Look what it says. It says, him God raised up on the third day. I wonder who he's talking about. Okay, so now that we know he's talking about Jesus, it says, and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God. It is Jesus who was what? Ordained by God. To be judge of the living and the dead. Amen. And that's why in 2 Corinthians 5.10 and Romans 14.10, it says that we will all stand before the judgment seat okay. of Christ. Hallelujah. It is the judgment seat of Christ because what does verse 42 say? That it is he who was ordained by God. He who was appointed by God to be what? Judge of the living and the dead. While you're in Acts, go over to 17, the 17th chapter of Acts. Look at the 31st verse, Acts 17, 31. God has ordained the judge. He has ordained Jesus as judge. 31st verse says, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by who? The man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. Hallelujah. All right. This might be too deep for some of y'all. Two more God-ordained things we want to look at. Look at Romans 13, 1. Those who have the Holy Spirit in them can understand Romans this 13, clearly. Clear. Have you arrived? Yes. Excellent. It says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed. What does the traditional say? Ordained by God. Now, here is what I need you to understand. Mm -hmm. The position has been ordained by God. That's right, not the people. Positions have been ordained by God. Amen. Not necessarily the people. Because those who rule over men must be just, meaning righteous, ruling Authoritative in the fear positions. of God. Authoritative positions. God has ordained for there to be kings, That's right. for there to be prime ministers and presidents and the like. He has ordained those positions to be in place because territories, states, countries need governing authorities. That's right. So he has ordained those positions. All right, and lastly, look at 1 Corinthians 2, 7. The wisdom of God is ordained. Did you know that God has ordained his wisdom? Yes. He has appointed his wisdom. Amen. And we have access to his wisdom. We can walk in his wisdom. 1 Corinthians 2, 7, quickly. It says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God, what? Ordained before the ages for our glory. The wisdom of God is ordained. All right, now. 
Let's go to John chapter 9. Let's look at the first verse. Remember now, everything is foreknown by God, but not everything is appointed. Everything is known, but not everything is appointed. I mean, God has not ordained for a person to reject Jesus when the Bible says he gave his son, gave his life as a ransom for all. That's right. Ransom for all. all right, God has not ordained seasoned believers to walk away from Jesus. God didn't appoint that. He didn't ordain that. But he knew it was going to happen, didn't he? Yes, he did. God has to let it play out. Yes, he does. He has to let it play out. God knew Adam was going to eat the fruit. Why'd he let him? He's got to let it play out. Because watch this. If you guys want to ask that question, you need to ask a number of other questions. We don't have time to get into those questions. You start asking certain kind of whys. Why did God? Why did God? We'll be here for a while. So now watch this. With that being the case, knowing that God has given us free will, he lets us play our hand on one occasion. He called heaven and earth as witnesses. I said before you, life, death, blessing, cursing. If I were you, I'd choose life, but hey, it's on you. That's right. You have to choose. Now watch this. John 9, look at the first verse. We know this. It says, now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was what? Blind from birth. Oh, not just blind, but... From birth. Blind from birth. Jesus passed by. He sees a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, um, who sinned, this man or his parents? Now watch this. What does that tell you? That it is common for certain things to come upon you as a result of a sin or a trespass you committed. That's right. Not, not committed, but did. If, if, you, if you missed the mark or if you continued in sin, it's a possibility that, that something could happen because once you begin to operate in sin and, and, and walk according to your unregenerate flesh instead of your recreated spirit, you expose yourself to the fiery darts, the evil day, and the wiles of the devil. You expose yourself. God is holy. He, he, can't, he can't work with unholiness. He can't work with his righteousness walking in unholiness. So we, we remove ourselves out from under the umbrella of his protection when we sin, when we miss the mark. So obviously the disciples are, are used to hearing this or coming into contact with people that have sinned. And as a result of that sin, it caused them some pain. It caused them a loss of something. So look at what they say. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, why would you ask if the man sinned if he was born blind? Should I ask, it one, ask you one more time? Why would you... Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? If, how was the man even an option if he was born blind? All right. Look what Jesus says, though. 
Jesus answered, he said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. That's the third verse. The, first, the fourth verse says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is a day. The night is coming when no one can work. That's what John 9, 1 through 4 says. But I know I tend to do this a lot, but you got to understand. Um, uh, leave your finger here. Go, go, to the, go to the front of your Bibles. Everybody go to the front of your Bibles. The, the first page. I think it's the first page. Yeah, this page right here. It may not be the first page, but it should be the page that says the Holy Bible. Can anybody find the Holy Bible page? Oh, that's good. That's a good camera shot right there. That's, can, can you zoom in on that? Can you, can, you, can you zoom in a little more? A little more? A little more? Right there. Perfect. You see that symbol? If you look under it, it says New King James Version. Do I have any educators that can define for me the word version? Bottom line, what? It's not the authentic. It's a version of it. With that being the case, we need to understand that there are many versions of the original. The King James Version just happens to be the most widely accepted. But if anyone ever knew about the life of King James, they'd probably change their mind about that. Don't even have, have time for that right now. But the bottom line is, somehow, we put more faith in King James than God. And if the King James says it, it must be so. Well, did you, uh, did you look up the Hebrew and Greek? That's right. I was, I was with a man of God this week. He said, yeah, all that's fine, but let's go to the Hebrew and Greek. Let's, let's go right. there because that's original. Hallelujah. Well, watch this. King James Version. On top of that, we're reading it in English. And words across time have not been faithful to one another. A lot of words have cheated on each other. <laughs> They've not been faithful. They've not been loyal sentence structures and punctuation marks and so when you're looking at this verse it looks like this is what it looks like it says uh, verse 3 Jesus answered neither this, this man nor his parents sin but uh, he was born blind that the works of God would be revealed in him but see it should actually read like this and the only reason that I can make this statement see when you know God when you know God you could look at 12 different versions of scripture when you know God's makeup, when you know his MO, when that's you know right. how he operates, right. you can look at a version of the original and say, that's not God. That's right. Hallelujah. I thank God for that You guys gift. with me? Yes. Yes. So watch this now. Verse 3 says, Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, comma. But really, that statement ends right there. Because what's that, what's that, what's, what is Jesus doing? He's answering the disciples' question, right? What did they ask? Um, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answers and says what? Neither this man nor his parents sinned. Stop That's right what there. he said. He answered the question. Yes, he did. Right? Verse 4 should begin like this. However, so that the works of God should be revealed in him, I must work the works of him who sent me. That's okay. right. Okay. Did you get that? 
but that the works of God should be revealed in him, I must work the works of him who sent me. Why was this man born blind? Because he sinned? No. Because his parents sinned? No. But I'll tell you why. Because of sin. See, this is what you have to understand. This world that we live in right now is not, everyone say is not. It is not a reflection of God's original plan for this world to operate. You know what God did in the beginning? He said, I want to make a three-dimensional version of heaven. All right? Ain't no suffering in heaven. That's right. Ain't no sickness in heaven. No disease in heaven. No poverty. Ain't nobody poor in heaven. Nobody's in pain in heaven. Nobody's losing their loved ones in heaven. No, they're not. God wanted to take heaven, put it right there on earth, and guess what? For two whole chapters and five verses of the third, he had it. Hell broke loose in Genesis 3-6. Yes, it did. Genesis 3-6 shows up. Sin's here. Death's here. The curse is here. Suffering's here. Pain is here. Poverty's here. Lack is here. Wasn't here before. Now it's here. You telling me that was the will of God? Absolutely not. What did God say? Look here. Do not eat from this tree. The day you eat of it, you will what? You'll surely die and let death in. You'll surely die and let sin in. I didn't create this world to have sin in it. Sin is here, though. Death is here, though. The curse is here. Suffering is here. So guess what? Because sin is here, and death is here, and the curse is here, and suffering is here, and the world system is run by the devil, guess what? Sometimes you have moments like this where a child is born blind. A child is born lame. A child is born with some debilitating disease or issue. child is born with too many fingers, too many toes, more than one necessary organ, all kinds of things. People have been born with these issues. Why? Because sin is here. That's right. That's right. You're born into a tainted environment. You're born into a toxic environment. And that's why it is so important for you as parents to begin working on your children before you start to conceive. That's right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A lot of work we as believers have to do and, 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 and stay in and be consistent with. Child was born blind because sin is in the world. Did his parents sin? No. Did the man sin? How could he? However, sin is here. And since sin is here and the curse is here and death is here, throughout the history of the world, children have been born. Babies have been born with issues. God knew the child was going to be born with the issue. Asthma. Doesn't yeah. mean he what? Ordained it. He didn't ordain it. So what does Jesus say? So that the works of God should be revealed in him? I, I need to work the works. God is a healer. Of him who sent me. Hallelujah. Heal the man of being blind. Miracle of healing. You guys with me? Amen. Do you understand why this world is the way it is? I, I know I do. Do you understand that it is not a reflection of what God intended? It is not a reflection of what God intended. He created man to be a living soul, not a dying one. Did you get that? See, the moment you're born, you begin to die. The moment Adam was created, he began to live. God created us to live, not to die. 
Death's here because of Adam's disobedience. And once again, here goes that God can't. God couldn't stop him from eating that fruit, could he? Ability-wise, absolutely. Integrity-wise, absolutely not. That's right. God can't violate his word. to make you do anything or stop you from doing See, it. See, the Bible says you have God changes not. Amen. You and I change our mind all the time. Thank God we're not God. <laughs> but God changes not. He's the same, which translates into heavenly terms, God is the same today. Because there's no yesterday or tomorrow where he is. But for our benefit, he's what? The same. Not different, he's the same. So if he's the same, he doesn't change. So once he changes, once he violates himself, he violates the word and the universe will not be sustained. So because of Adam's disobedience, the world is the way it is. You and I are exposed to a toxic environment. That's why we need to be covered with the blood of Jesus. We need to make sure that our angels have been camped round and about us, protecting us from all evil and from all harm. And that's why I need to pray in the spirit and praise God and worship God and thank God and get into that word and confess it every day. The Bible says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing, not the renewed mind, but the renewing of the mind. Consistency, consistency. I can't stop. I can't quit. I can't back off for a bit because the devil right. is waiting for that open door to walk in and wreak yes. havoc That's in right. my life. Yes. That's right. Hallelujah. Praise God. So why are Christians suffering? Why? Why? Why are Christians suffering? Because God didn't intend for suffering to be here anyway. It's here because of a man. Haven't you read those verses in Romans 5 and 1 Corinthians 15? For by man came death. Yes. Right. Who's the man? Adam. Adam. For by Adam came death. Because Adam. of Adam's disobedience, sin entered the world. Death hitched a ride with sin. Death said, I'm coming too. You sin, you're not going by yourself. I'm, I'm coming too. I got friends that want to come too. All of them showed up. Before, before you finish reading Genesis 3, 6, a whole new crew is in the earth. <laughs> so why are they suffering? You know, I went to all these, I was supposed to finish today, but I went to all these suffering scriptures in the New Testament because there's a lot of them there. And if you're not careful, you'll see certain verses to where it's the way it's worded. It's like it's the will of God for you to suffer. And it's not. But the student of the word. That's right. Knowing God's makeup. See, when you know God's makeup and you know how God operates, when you see something that doesn't line up with who he is, you go, wait a minute. Let me look at this translation. That's no, right. that ain't working either. Let me try this translation. That's right. No, that's not working either. Let me try this. Did somebody get it right? <laughs> Watch this. So let's start here with Romans 8. I'm supposed to finish today, y'all. Look what you made me do. <laughs> Romans 8. Are you getting anything? Yes. Look at the 17th verse. Now, for the sake of what I want to point out, 
we're not going to read verses 14, 15, and 16. I just need you to see 17 and 18. Romans 8, 17, and verse 18. Listen to what it says. And if children, because we already know, remember what the other verse said, you know, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are what? The children of God. So then it says what? And if we're children, then what? Then we're heirs. We're also what? Heirs of God. And we are what? Join heirs with Christ. Watch this. If indeed we suffer with him. Mm, interesting word. Yeah. That we may also be glorified together. Now, if I just take that verse right there. And I don't do any. If I simply just don't pay attention. The suffering is the person. I, I, I should suffer with the Lord. Well, that wouldn't even make sense anyway because he suffered 2,000 years ago. And he was glorified 2,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when you suffered with him, what was that? It's called identification. Watch this. Frederick K. Price Jr., born in 1979, 5.25 a.m., Cedar sinai Hospital. 1979. But guess what? I suffered with him. I was crucified with him. I died with him. I was buried with him. I descended with him. I was raised with him. Amen. I ascended with him. And I'm seated with him. Pastor, how so? You're only 31. If you were with Jesus, that would make you easily a little over 1,900 years old. It's called identification, ladies and gentlemen. And if you are a blood-bought, blood-washed child of God, then you suffered with him. You were crucified with him. You died with him. You were buried with him. You descended with him. You were raised with him. You ascended with him. And you are now, currently, presently, seated with him. It's called identification. Look what it says. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Now he jumps into verse 18 and he says this. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now, here's the reality. There are sufferings in this present time. Yes, it is. But nowhere in the verse does it say it's God's will that we experience them. That's right. Many of us will experience suffering because suffering is here. And there may have been a door that was opened. Or watch this. The devil just... Watch this. You've covered everything. You've covered everything. But guess what? You're a threat to the kingdom, so the devil's just going to hit you. He don't like you. We walk by faith, not by sight. All right. I hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this particular episode, please send your questions or comments to talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com. Or you can send me a direct message through my podcast by clicking on the message button located on the home page of all my podcasts. Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcast, and Radio Public to submit your remarks. You can also support my podcast financially by accessing the home page on my podcast and clicking on the support this podcast button. Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated. I am praying for God to give you a return on your donation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6, the apostle Paul says as it relates to sowing a seed and I quote, "But this I say, he who sows sparingly 
will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Hallelujah. God will give you a return on your gift of love. As long as you sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart. Now until next time, brothers and sisters, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by what we see. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. I thank each of you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.